Amazon had launched AMP, which was live audio. And mm -hmm. that was a big deal until it wasn't. And Facebook had gotten into podcasting, and that was a big deal until it wasn't. But then there are other things that are doing really well. And one of them, of course, is podcasting, which had a very good year, although I would say the business is changing quite a bit. Welcome to Brand With On Demand, your guide to rebooting radio. So we had a hot AC station in Des Moines, and there was a pediatrician who was on every Wednesday morning. It turns out that that was the biggest feature on the radio station. Why is that? Well, that radio station was targeted at young women, moms. And we were hitting them with subject matter that was way more relevant to them than talking about Katy Perry. So if you are running a radio station and you have a target, what is it that your people are interested in that you may not be able to service well over the air? But if you could take that pediatrician and make that into a podcast and sponsor mm -hmm. it, this is the opportunity to talk to that demo and create programming that's relevant to them. Brandwith On Demand, rebooting radio with a different take on all radio can be. Now your guides through the media morphosis, David Martin, and author of the book Brandwith, media branding coach, Kipper McGee. Steve Goldstein is a recognized leader in audio programming, in marketing, and in management. He's developed tons of successful radio brands from coast to coast for significant broadcast companies, including NBC, ABC, all the while providing guidance to local and national talent and pioneering podcasting and voice-first initiatives. Prior to founding Amplify, his firm... He was a founding partner at Saga Communications, serving as Executive Vice President and Group Program Director from the company's formation way back in 1986 until 2015, when he started yet another amazing adventure, Amplify Media. Brand with On Demand is proud to welcome again the world-famous Steve Goldstein. Hey, Steve. Happy it, it first episode. Welcome, everybody, to the new year. Wow. Well, yeah. Well, we'll Season six for us. Yeah, we're thing. glad to have you. So, Steve, as the new year starts, what are some of the key takeaways that busy radio people may have missed in your realm? Well, you know, I did a post, I did a year end wrap up called The Ups and Downs of Audio in 2022, and there were 17 items there. Uh, not to go through all of them, but just to hit a couple of headlines, I think is worthwhile because sure. like Amazon had launched AMP, which was live audio. And mm -hmm. that was a big deal until it wasn't. And Facebook had gotten into podcasting and that was a big deal until it wasn't. Uh, Spotify did live radio, just announced that they're cutting back on that. And you remember Clubhouse? I mean... Oh, yeah, that, yeah. that was a big deal two years ago, not so much now. But then there are other things that are doing really well. And one of them, of course, is podcasting, which uh, had a had a very good year, although I would say the business is changing quite a bit. And, and I'm hoping that's what we're going to talk about today, because the changes are fairly profound. And I sort of think in a way it's like the streaming business, you know, I mean, uh, every streamer, Disney Plus and HBO Max and everybody were creating tons and tons of content and getting tons of new people to subscribe. And as they say, trees don't grow to the sky. And now they're reckoning with how to make money and how many shows that they should be producing and that sort of stuff. And 
the same sort of thing is happening on the podcast side. Yeah, it seems that everywhere there seems to be that balance between what do we invest in the product versus what are we going to get as far as a return. And that's true whether you're subscribing or trying to buy it by being advertised to, however the model works. Yeah, and in the podcast realm, I mean, the model is there's a lot of podcasts out there. Ostensibly, there are a lot of podcasts out there. You know, there's two and a half million or so on Apple. There's another index called Podcast Index that says that there are four million podcasts. Whatever it is, only a fraction of those are active. I know in the radio business, a lot of people have said from, you know, time to time, well, gee, maybe it's too crowded. Yeah, maybe it is. But we did a study in the middle of the year and only 156,000 podcasts had produced 10 or more episodes and produced Mm -hmm. a fresh episode that week. That's not two and a half million. That's not four million. That seems way more reasonable, although 156,000 is an awful lot of podcasts as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Steve, you've noted that podcast opportunities will likely require a really a major reset for a lot of broadcasters. In fact, I think you're looking into doing something with the RAB in terms of taking a real look at the landscape and what's happening and what challengers are are ahead. What are you seeing now? Yeah, so we did a study at the end of 2022 uh, in the fourth quarter with the RAB looking at local podcasts. It was a benchmark study. Erica Farber is and the RAB people are just great to partner with. And uh, so we we thought, let's see where local radio is with local podcasts. And the answer won't surprise you that that there are some who are doing it and doing it well, but mostly podcasting has been a national sort of thing. But I, I think it's really interesting, guys, because there are companies that are coming into the local podcast realm, not I'm not talking about broadcast companies. So there's a company called CityCast, which is a division of Graham Holdings. Graham Holdings is the old Washington Post company. Oh, yeah. Media. They own TV stations. And they also owned Megaphone, which they sold to Spotify. And they own Slate. I mean, they've been around the podcast hemisphere for a while. And they've started this thing that is a combo podcast newsletter uh, initiative in 10 local markets, ranging from Boise, Idaho, and Des Moines to Atlanta. It's quite the initiative, and that's growing. And then there's a company called Blue Wire, which is doing local sports podcasts. They have about 200 podcasts, and they do them for each team. So NFL, you know, NBA, whatever, in each market. And these are local podcasts that are going ostensibly up against local sports talk radio stations. I mean, so I think the reason that uh, that we thought we needed to benchmark this was because radio stations, as you know, there aren't a lot of people in the hallways these days, right. uh, don't want to miss this opportunity. And at the same time, and I know, Kipper, you and I have had these conversations over the years, especially on the lower end. Uh, The audience is disappearing. It's not gone, but it's being fragmented. And Edison had put out a really interesting study, which which I quote often, that right now, as of fourth quarter, more people are listening to audio on a mobile device than an AM-FM device, just by a little bit, just by a little bit. But the trend is clear. And so if you're listening on a mobile device, 
smartphone, obviously. You're talking about all of the choices that are in there, whether it's Apple Music or Spotify, podcasts, uh, your owned music, if people still own music. But all of those things are choices, and that's putting pressure, especially on the lower demos, for radio stations, and they're seeing their TSL off and their pump levels are being challenged. And, and, and I do want to quantify that, though. Radio still gets a ton of cue. So even in those right. demos, everybody is cycling in. So, so this is the opportunity to talk to that demo and create programming that's relevant to them. And speaking of relevant, I mean, you, you've always been one to talk about great quality content on whatever platform you are, but you definitely are pointing out that in podcasting, like broadcasting, if you're average, you're going to get crushed. So could you dig into that trifecta that you've got, heat, awareness, discovery, and not only what it means for podcasting, but how can radio folks apply that to the air as well? Yeah, I think it's true of anything today. I mean, there has to be some heat. There are so many things that people can choose to watch or listen to or read or whatever. So you gravitate, people do gravitate toward what seems important or important to them anyway, or urgent. Uh, so, so that's what the heat is. And then the awareness is, are you doing it? Who's doing it? Where do I find it? And then the killer, uh, certainly in the podcast realm, is discovery. I mean, broadcast a little bit easier. I mean, you know, maybe there's 50 stations in a market, but there's ridiculous, you know, endless, infinite choices when you get onto your mobile device and, and you can listen to whatever you want, wherever you want. But in podcast, discovery is the problem. Is there a podcast that's appealing to me? If I'm not aware of it, obviously I can't choose it. So those are the three things I think that apply directly to podcasting, but they apply to broadcasting and everything else as well. And and I do think what's critical in the podcast realm is people have to go find it. I mean, in radio, we've always had that great advantage of people, you know, just punching through the dial and finding stuff. Not so easy in podcasting. You have to go look for it. It's definitely a lean forward sort of thing. And so how are people going to find that? And more importantly, when they do, if they do, is it filling a need? And one of the things, uh, when, when I talk with radio people, radio groups, et cetera, one of the things I, I think we need to understand is that spoken word is a lot of different things. I mean, uh, if you're talking about talk radio, Spoken word is going to be conservative talk primarily, although it can be other things. If you're talking about morning radio, talking personality, it can be a, a lot of different things. But when you look at the top 25 podcasts in Apple Podcasts, only two, only two are political. And it's loaded with other things, true crime and health and wellness and just a variety of topics and interests that I don't think radio is targeting as well as it could or not at all. And so that, to me, is a fantastic opportunity for local radio to connect with their markets. And that could be about food. It could be about medical issues. It could be about local sports, whatever makes sense locally. So getting back to that discoverability part of the equation, does that mean that SEO is still an important thing in searchability? Because I've got one client, they're a pure play internet service, 
But what happens is they find a lot of traffic comes to them from Pinterest where they were just posting stuff. And it's not LinkedIn. It's not Facebook. It's not Instagram. It's Pinterest. And people are searching there for that. So how does that searchability play into it as well as a discoverability? Yeah, I think that's a really important question and issue. You know, when I got into the podcast thing, which is seven and a half years ago, all of the conversations were about creating good content. Now, every single conversation is both creating good content and that discoverability. And SEO, of course, is a big factor. And SEO is just, I mean, you know, there's, there's other tricks and tools in social media. But in the first phase of podcasting, all you had to do was go out on Twitter and put a link in there and you could launch mm -hmm. a podcast to your tribe. Not yeah. so easy anymore. There's just so much more noise and, you know, never mind the whole Elon mess going on right now. That'll <laughs> yeah. complicate things even more, but it was already mm -hmm. hard before that. Well, Steve, what are the most and least crowded categories of podcasts? I mean, uh, with all the other hurdles that radio has in front of it, the best advice may be choosing the proper category, would it not? Every category has a lot of stuff in it. Some of them are a little more vulnerable than others, but I think local radio needs to do local podcasts, and there aren't a lot of those. In some markets, there are uh, TV stations doing them. In some markets, newspapers. There in every market is a group of independent podcasters. I mean, you can Google it for your market, and you'll come up with, you know, a, a community of podcasters in Raleigh or Indianapolis, and they're all creating content. Some of it's miserable, and some of it's pretty interesting and pretty good. I would consider coupling up with some of those local podcasters because you have something they don't have. You have QM to promote, and you have a sales staff to monetize. So if you don't have the ability to create the content in your hallways, and you may not, that's one way uh, that you can approach local podcasting. It may be harder to scale, but it actually might be a great place to start. Very smart. Mm -hmm. So you've mentioned that podcast ad spending is bound to reach new levels. We're seeing the trend lines from every source that it's going to outpace broadcast by leaps and bounds eventually. But thinking shorter term for the coming year, what are some of the smarter ways for radio to get their unfair share of that revenue? Or can they? Well, I don't think they're going to get an unfair share of any of it unless they get out there. And one of the things that uh, we talked to the RAB board about is that, you know, because you want to get into podcasting, you're not going to make money on Tuesday. This isn't like studio naming rights. It's work and it's time. And that's hard, especially now with many broadcast companies, you know, experiencing their own challenges. But but this is part of the future. It's audio. And the companies that do invest in it, Hubbard invests in it, Salem invests in it. Others like iHeart have invested nationally in it. This will pay off locally over time, but it does require going into the laboratory and doing some science projects. And it also means harvesting some of the audio you already have. And what do I mean by that? So 
your morning show, depending on the kind of morning show you have. If you're doing a mostly music show and you're doing almost impossible trivia, I don't know that there's a big podcast in that for you. But if you are doing a big talk show, you know, on a classic rock station sort of thing, harvesting the right content and making it available at a time that's more convenient for the audience, that's something that's really highly appreciated. And uh, yeah. and I don't think a lot of radio companies have invested in that or pushed that as much as they could. Sure, they've posted the morning show, but that's a three and a half hour file. That's miserable. No, we're story. talking carpool karaoke on YouTube. Yeah, oh, well, look at YouTube. There's a lot of local podcasts. I'm going to put that in uh, quotes. There's a lot of local content coming out of YouTube. I mean, it's just another avenue to try and find stuff. The always wise and insightful Steve Goldstein, our guest today from Amplify Media. Hey, somebody you'd like to hear from, we'd love to hear from you. Email your suggestions to show at brandwithondemand.com. And if you're finding value in this podcast and our guest, tell a friend. Every month we reach thousands of broadcasters who seldom, if ever, get to attend a broadcast summit or a boot camp. And while you're at it, please give us a five-star review and get the free newsletter. Just scroll on your phone to sign up. Coming up, Steve shares some things that he sees right now. Opportunities that others may find hiding in plain sight. Hi, this is Dave from Music Master Scheduling, here with another Music Master raving fan. Did someone say Music Master raving fan? Ding, ding, that's me. Hey, it's Lee McNabb, Operations Manager for Saga Communications Des Moines Radio Group. My mentors taught me music scheduling on Music Master, and that's what I use to teach the young Padawans of today. Ready to become a Music Master raving fan? Get in touch at musicmaster.com slash sales. I've used Music Master in some major markets for some major media players. I'm a major fan. Opportunities hidden in plain sight. Brand with On Demand. We're with one of media's very best and brightest, Steve Goldstein. Steve, thinking about traditional broadcasts and where audio is headed, what are some opportunities that you see right now that station people can take advantage of in this new year? I'll give you two quick thoughts. The first actually goes back to my broadcast days and has always been on my mind. So we had a hot AC station in Des Moines, which someone on this call may have actually been the program director of at one point. Guilty. <laughs> and there was a pediatrician who was on every Wednesday morning for about 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes. It turns out that that was the biggest feature on the radio station. Why is that? Well, that radio station was targeted at young women, moms, and we were hitting them with subject matter that was way more relevant to them than talking about Katy Perry. And that has stayed with me the entire time. So if you are running a radio station and you have a target, what is it that your people are interested in that you may not be able to service well over the air? But if you could take that pediatrician and make that into a podcast and mm -hmm. sponsor it, I love that idea. You're going to connect with your audience in a way that you haven't before, and you're going to be able to monetize that podcast. Love it. Another area is branded podcasts. 
and that's going to the local medical center, which is spending good money on your radio station today and saying, okay, let's create something bespoke. Let's create some content that is, I'm sorry, both of these examples are medical, what came to mind, but putting on experts in a particular category could be quite useful. Or it could be dreadful. I mean, it all depends on how well yeah. that's produced. But but the opportunity is there for it to be beneficial to the audience and sponsorable. No, you could do it with a veterinarian, right, Steve? Totally. Even yeah. better idea. Sure. And, too, it seems that doing it on demand will allow the people who really are interested in that topic to access the information when they want to, which will yeah. then reflect on the station brand but also, it won't bore the people that might not be interested in the whole radio thing, but to hear that it's there is good for them to know. Well, and we're living in an on-demand world. I mean, that, that is where we are. There is an expectation that content is available when I want it. And we've learned that from the TV side, and we now expect it on the audio side. And so the notion that radio can continue to just be linear is missing this tremendous opportunity. And again, as I mentioned earlier, you've got the mobile device. What are you going to do that makes you relevant on the mobile device? And it's not going to be playing the same music that you've been playing if that's who you are. And it's not going to be the same shows that you already have. It can be something else. Wow, he is terrific, isn't he, Kipper? That's Steve Goldstein from Amplify Media. Links to Steve's popular Blogstein and more in the show notes. Just scroll down on your phone. Our thanks to exec producer, the world-famous Cindy Huber, our associate producer, the award-winning Hannah B., and coming up next, music hits and misses from the past year, and a look at what might be ahead for next. From Ross on Radio, Sean Ross joins us. That's a wrap, Kipper. Everything old is new again. Well, it's the new year. We have new ideas for you. You'll find it in One Minute Martinizing in the show notes. I'm Dave Martin. And me, I'm Kipper McGee. May all your brand be wide. Your station played out the 80s, never liked the 90s. Finally, a solution for weekends that your audience is going to love. Throwback 2K with me, Chris Cruz. Sneak preview of America's first tribute to the early 2000s now at throwback2k.com.